Welcome to the Unsweetened SIO podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsio.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 18 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. I still have a little bit of a cold, so I apologize. I'm mostly like 100% better, but this cough thing was just lingering and I've been losing my voice still a little bit. So I have my elixir right now next to me. This time I made it with some Moroccan mint tea um, that my friend Margaret got me hooked on and it is really, really good. I like having the iced mint tea at night because it kind of feels good on my stomach too. And the Moroccan mint is pretty strong. So I actually only use like two tea bags. I boil, you know, my kettle of hot water, just put two tea bags in it, let it cool down. And then I pour it into my glass pitcher and add some more water and ice. And even that with just two tea bags is pretty strong. So anyway, if you hear my clinking of ice here, or if I stop to take a drink, mm -hmm, just to wet my whistle, don't mind me. So I want to talk today about um, staying confident along your journey of becoming a sugar and flour free. But before I get into that, uh, there's two other things I want to talk about first. Um, Two things that I've recently become aware of that I really want to share with you. You know, I always love to share probably overshare everything, but um, these things are both pretty big life changers for me. So the first thing is something that's called Every Mother, and it's a workout program designed specifically for women that have diastis recti. Hopefully I'm saying that right, but basically it's the separation in your ab muscles after being pregnant or giving birth that some women have um, that doesn't go away. And if you Google every mother, I'll also link at the bottom of this, the link to them, but they have a video that you can do that shows how you test for it. Because it's something that I've always heard about um, and I've tried to like test myself by like reading instructions from a book, but I just thought I didn't have it. But when I actually watched the video and did the test again correctly, um, I was feeling a four finger separation, which is pretty severe. Um, You know, it can be one finger or more, but mine is really, really severe. And as I'm watching these videos, it's basically telling me my ab circuit that I'd been doing for like the past year and a half has been terrible for my, um, for making it worse probably. So it might not have been that bad. And I really think I've been making it a lot worse, uh, cause things like 
plank that I was doing and any kind of push-up where you're bulging your stomach out is actually really bad for it. So I really liked uh, the videos too because they give you tips in the beginning about even just how to get like up and down off the floor correctly, how to cough, sneeze, just so you're not making it worse. Uh, and I would say I signed up and started doing like the daily videos. You can take and see like which level you should take. I'm just the very basic, you know, good for everybody because I felt like I needed to do some repair before I did anything harder. And it's only about like 10 minutes a day. And it's basically like different breathing exercises in different positions. So it's really simple. Um, it's not like you're getting out of breath or working up a sweat. Super simple stuff. And I am telling you that within like a week, I could tell a difference in my stomach. I mean, by I still have a long way to go, but I think I just did about 32 days now or something around there. And I don't do it every day. I do it mostly every day because, again, it's not something that's really strenuous. But, like... You know, I just got back from doing an awesome program in Maui, but I was really tired Saturday and Sunday, so I didn't, I didn't do it. Um, but I tend to not skip any days. I just do it every day. But anyway, if I'm not feeling up to it, I don't. But so I'm somewhere around 32 days, and I retested, and I believe I'm down to like three-finger separation now. So... It is making a difference. Um, again, after having being pregnant four times and having two C-sections and only being five foot two and having pretty big babies, I don't expect you know my abs ever to return completely to normal. But I'm really excited about finally learning you know the right way to kind of correct some of that separation. And then even it should help with things like, you know, I was having a lot of lower back pain, which I kept thinking maybe was due to my shoes or something and all the walking I was doing. But I'm wondering if it was just kind of all related to this bigger issue. And since I've started doing these exercises, my lower back, knock on wood, has been feeling a lot better too. And I have to credit my friend Julia, who lives in Italy, when I was out there and visiting with her, she had a baby a few months ago now, and she was telling me about the videos. And so as soon as I got home, I looked it up because it just, as soon as she said it, I thought, huh, I wonder if that's what I have, you know? And so sure enough, I did the test, and I thought it was really affordable, too. I signed up for the yearly program, and I think I paid about 120 bucks for a full year of videos every single day. It also comes with, like, a general workout. I haven't done that video yet, but you get, like, your 10-minute you know, breathing exercises to work on your core, but then you can also do, like, a 20 to 30-minute full body workout all designed again to uh, make sure that you are helping your abs and not causing further separation. But again, I'm kind of just taking it slow and just starting with, I'd like to get down to a two or even one degree before I start adding in more things. And, you know, things like yoga and Pilates and bar, all of that are great. But I think 
if you do have the um, diastasis recti, you need to make sure you correct that first before you're doing those types of exercises because it can make it worse. And see, I just didn't realize all this. You know, I've heard of it, but I just didn't... Um, I don't think probably right after having kids, maybe I had like a two degree separation, but I really believe, you know, all the push-ups and planks I've been doing made it worse and worse and worse. So I'm very, very happy and grateful to Julia that she happened to mention this to me. Don't you love the way that works sometimes? Someone just says something that resonates with you and then it ends up being a solution for you the whole point of my podcast. You know, I know not every single thing I say resonates with you, but I hope something, you know, on each podcast helps somebody out there. And it's called Every Mother. I actually then, once I paid for the subscription, I downloaded the app. So I just watched, you can do it online too, but I just watched the videos every day on my phone. It's actually the evening right now and I need to, um, still do that tonight. So after I record my podcast, I will be doing my little workout. And some nights I don't feel like doing it, but because it's not that strenuous, I'm like, come on, just do it. And my advice would be just to make sure um, I wouldn't do it while you're watching TV, just because it's only 10 minutes long and you really need to kind of concentrate and focus on what you're doing. I think you'll see more results that way. Um, the one other thing I wanted just to point out in case anybody does try it is she also suggests um, doing kegel, a kegel with each breath that you're doing um, to really strengthen um, your pelvic floor too. You know, there's a lot of women after childbirth that start having like organs prolapse. I mean, I didn't even know that this was a thing and it's terrifying to me that your uterus can basically fall out. So, or if people, you know, if you have problems, you know, um, wetting your pants or holding it in, all these exercises, including the kegels are so good to strengthen that, you know, pelvic floor along with helping your, um, diastasis recti. But for me, I just wanted to say in case anyone else out there has any kind of pelvic pain, I had a really hard time with that after having both of my kids, um, and I can get into that into another podcast, uh, but I had a lot of issues with pelvic pain. So basically, I do not do any kegeling anymore. I'm trying to do like the opposite where I'm actually trying to relax those muscles. Um, so she does say if you do a kegel, you'll see results faster. But I just want to say, even though I do not kegel, because again, I'm like trying to do the, the opposite, just relax the area completely when I'm doing this, I am still seeing you know, results even without that. So I just want to throw that out there unless you're watching kind of introduction videos and you hear that and you think, oh, but I can't do a kegel. Don't worry. I can't either. And I'm still seeing some results. And I'm hoping that I'm still strengthening my pelvic floor even without doing the kegel. So that was one thing I really wanted to share. I've been wanting to share with you for a while because, again, I was seeing, I swear, I could tell a difference after one week just with the way my clothes were fitting. Um, 
the other thing I want to talk about has to do with my recent trip to Maui, which was awesome. It was an incentive trip. It was one of my event gigs. It was a really great clients, great location, great staff, basically like the trifecta of a perfect event. It was just a lot of fun. But I met an awesome woman named Patsy. Hey, Patsy. Shout out to Patsy. And I thought, you know, I am always kind of tricky on when I'm traveling with what I'm eating. I bring a lot of food. You know, I kind of consider myself a little bit high maintenance (laughs) or a little bit of a buzzkill sometimes. But uh, I was so excited to meet Patsy because she's really into Ayurvedic eating and is really healthy. Um, And she actually, because she does this job full time where she's traveling a lot and just didn't, was feeling crappy, you know, eating all the hotel food and eating out all the time. So she actually bought like a little rice cooker and brings a kit of spices. She'll even bring fresh veggies with her, or if she has time, she'll get to a store, you know, wherever she is. But if not, she'll just pack the things with her. And she makes food basically every single day, uh, which I think is amazing, like rice, quinoa, vegetables, these amazingly healthy, nutritious foods, you know, we're working sometimes 14, 15 hour days. So it's nice to be, um, feel like you're getting your nutrients in there. And that's what Patty does, Patsy does. I think it's amazing. Um, so she gave me a tour of our room cause I was intrigued by this. I wanted to see what she had set up and, It does feel a little daunting to me because I've never even used a rice cooker before. I'm sure I can figure it out, but I just thought, okay, that's, you know, that's a pretty big commitment. And because I only travel about once a month, um, it still felt like a little overwhelming for me. I would like to think that if I did do this full time, I would take the plunge. But then Patsy showed me these packets that she brings when she's in a pinch from Whole Foods. Um, It's just the 365, you know, generic Whole Foods brands. But she showed me like one was like barley and green lentils and another was like seven grain and lentil blend. Basically, you know, whole grains and lentils. And they're those little pouches that you can microwave for 90 seconds. And I said, well, how do you cook them? And she said, I don't. She's like in a pinch, I just eat them cold. You know, she always travels with some olive oil. And she'll add a little olive oil and maybe some shredded carrots or some greens or, you know, whatever else she might have, maybe some of her seasonings, and she's got a meal. So, bam, I wish I had thought of that. I mean, that would have been a lifesaver in Italy when I was really, really struggling those few days um, with not finding enough that I could eat. So I will definitely be loading up on these packets and, um, you know, every once in a while I might have our microwave, but typically I don't. So I really like the idea of just kind of eating them cold and still getting a really healthy, nutritious meal, um, really easy to pack, you know, inexpensive. It's just brilliant. So thank you to Patsy. Um, 
I'm really excited to try it. And I haven't, I actually meant to go to Whole Foods. I was there the other night, but I forgot since I'm not traveling for a little while, I didn't check them out to see all the different varieties, but I will do that so I can kind of load up and I probably will practice once or twice at home to find kind of make sure that I like it and see if I can, you know, pick a little like, uh, or put together a little spice and olive oil kit that I can bring. She even brings like a cutting board, a knife, dish soap. I mean, it's amazing. She has everything and her food just looked, I was so jealous all week. It just looked so, so good. Um, so I'm really, really excited about that because, um, you know, eating on the road is difficult. I do the best I can, but sometimes I end up eating stuff like I had maybe, I think I had hamburgers twice while I was in Hawaii, which typically I wouldn't do. It was like Kobe beef at least, but that wouldn't be my first choice to have two burgers in a week. But it was literally because that was like the best option for me that worked on the menu. Um, so I really like that I'm going to have a better backup now with these you know, grain and lentil blends. So I'm really excited to try that. And a lot of times we have like, you know, if we are eating at the hotel, there's kind of some kind of salad included. So, you know, Patsy even brings to-go containers with her. And so I'll probably do that too. You know, I might bring, make my blend in the morning and then bring it with me and just add some veggies or whatever that we do have at the hotel that staff is eating. Um, and, but bring, you know, something with me too. So very excited about that and wanted to share in case that's something, if you travel, that might work for you too. Um, so yes, yay, brilliant. Uh, so those were the two things I really wanted to share that I got excited about. Um, stay tuned for when I actually do try one of those packets. I'll let you know what I think and any tips I might have. But I really think that's going to be a game changer for me. So a thank you to Patsy one more time. Thank you to Julia for the every mother. I'm just so happy that both of those things came into my life. Because I think it's going to make my journey a lot easier. So speaking of my journey, I wanted to talk today about staying confident as you go along your journey. Because you're going to find that you're going to have some really good days, some really bad days. Some days that are super easy and some days that are really, really, really hard. Um, for any numerous, you know, reasons, there's so much that life, you know, throws out at us that, um, sometimes it can be really great things and sometimes it can be really challenging things. So, um, I think it's really important to try to find a way that you can ground yourself when you need to. And stay confident knowing that you're doing the best thing for your body and kind of being able to remind yourself of that. Um, I know in the beginning when I first started, I wasn't confident at all because I had tried so many different things for so many years and have failed so many times that 
Of course, I wasn't feeling confident that this time I'd actually be able to stick to it. You know, I was almost expecting or just waiting for myself to fail um, because I had learned, you know, that's what I do. (laughs) I try something and it works for a little bit and then it doesn't work. And then I go off the wagon and binge for a few weeks and then I try again. So in the beginning, you know, again, I felt like it was different and that this was going to be the solution because, but I had felt like that before with other things too. Um, but it's part of the reason why I wanted to make sure I gave it a whole year so that there was time that I could see some benefits, you know, that see that things were working. And I just knew that giving up sugar and flour together was my best chance, but that I had to give it time too. And I just knew and expected for it to be really awful. And it was in the beginning. So I wasn't confident, you know, about things like I kept questioning, you know, what I should be eating or not eating or how are other people giving up sugar and flour? How are they approaching it? What were they doing? Well, you know, am I going to fail because I'm not measuring my food or because I'm snacking between meals or, you know, because I'm not eliminating all grains, you know, um, I kept double guessing myself a lot. Um, you know, like I had mentioned before that it was, you know, I eat things like popcorn or sweet potato chips, things that technically don't have flour and sugar in them, but some people still decide to abstain from them as well on their journeys. Um, but it just felt like I was depriving myself too much, but I was beating myself up about that. And when I look back at my journal, from the very beginning, I can see a lot of that lack of confidence and just not being very focused, not kind of being all over the place of what I was doing. And I had to kind of keep reminding myself that, you know, all I'm trying to do here is give up sugar and flour and overcome my addiction. Like, if I can just give up sugar and flour, that's pretty huge. I don't need to try to diet on top of that or take anything else out on top of that because giving up sugar and flour was huge enough. And, you know, that article that Chris Gunner um, wrote about food addiction, he did say that in there. And that was part of what really resonated with me was don't diet at first, you know, it's hard enough. So don't focus on losing weight in the beginning, even though that's what a lot of us are motivated by, you know, if we are overweight is of course we want to lose weight, but I had to kind of just sit back and trust that that would come. And again, it took me almost five months to really notice that I was losing weight. So it took a while and a lot of my benefits didn't come until six, seven, eight, ten months in. Um, but I just stuck with it. But sometimes it's kind of hard to stay confident, you know, along your way if you're not seeing those immediate results. It did help me not to weigh myself, as I've talked about before. You know, I don't believe in the scale because that's one thing if I am feeling confident. Like even today, I mean, I feel very confident about myself and the way that I'm eating now. But if I were to step on a scale, that could all change in just a blink of a number, you know, if it wasn't a number that I was felt like I should be or didn't match up to how I was feeling, that could derail everything and make me feel very, you know, 
very not confident. So I think for me, you know, in the beginning, especially, um, you know, not looking at the scale and trying not to worry too much about losing weight helped me just stay focused on that. I'm doing this for a full year. Let's look at the long term here and not just on the day to day. Um, and then things come up, you know, where people, you're going to have some haters, you know, people that um, give you <laughs> a lot of grief for trying to do something to better yourself or I don't know what it is. You know, I've been pretty lucky that most people in my life have been very supportive. It's more when I tell maybe other people that aren't, you know, friends or family, but kind of acquaintances that might give me like a weird look or, you know, say, oh, well, why would you want to do that? That sounds terrible. You know, why, what's life without fun? Why would you do that to yourself? You know, kind of those things. Um, what I like to say to those people is that like, I've enjoyed enough sugar in my lifetime to probably last three or four of most people's lifetimes. It's not like I haven't enjoyed a cookie. You know, again, I've probably have consumed way more cookies in my first 38 years of my life than most people have, will in their entire life. So it's not like I haven't had the experience because I've, I have. And, you know, I've had now the opposite of experience of not eating those things and have been able to feel the joy that comes with being free from addiction. And I just pick that joy every time over, you know, maybe the fun it would be to eat a cookie or have a piece of cake or something at a birthday party because that fun lasts a few minutes. And then where my joy that I have found from being free from sugar just lasts day after day after day. It's just consistent. So, um, you know, that's kind of something that I remind myself of. But it was harder in the beginning, you know, when people maybe, when I felt like people were being critical or criticizing me. And I just had to kind of shrug them off and not worry about what other people thought and just do me. You know, I am very jealous of people that can eat things in moderation. Again, that's like my dream. But unfortunately, that's not me. I can't just have, you know, one little bite of something. I have so many people, so many people when I talk to them about this are like, oh, well, I just have two bites of dessert and then I'm done. That's all I need. And, you know, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. But in my head, I'm like, you know, well, good for you. I wish, you know, I'm jealous. Like, I wish that I could be that person, but I'm not. And I think if you're not addicted to it, it's really hard to understand, um, you know, why someone can't just have two bites. It's just like, you know, if you're not an alcoholic, it's really hard to understand why a person can't just have like, a glass of wine, why they, you know, can't, can't stop at a glass or whatever. So I think until it affects you, it's really hard to understand. So if you're someone that's listening to this, that isn't addicted to sugar yourself, but maybe has a friend or family member that is, I think that's a really big 
um, point of support is just to realize you might not understand, you know, how your friend or family member is feeling, but if they could eat just a bite or two, trust me, they would. I mean, I don't feel like anyone wants to give up all sugar and all flour. It's kind of like a last resort, right? So I think trying to be a little more, um, you know, just kind of thinking about that a little bit more when you might or are trying to support a friend or family member going through sugar addiction is just kind of keeping that in mind. So, you know, most of us wish that we could just enjoy a bite or two. Um, And then, you know, I think too, in the beginning, it it has gotten easier now that I am seeing really good results um, as far as physically, but also mentally. Um, I'm just feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a lot more like me again. And so it is a lot easier to stay confident now, but I still get a little bit shy in situations like being in Maui is actually a good example. I was with, you know, I think it was somewhere around like 40 staff members and I knew a handful of them, but there was a lot of people I didn't know. And it's kind of like just something I bring up right away now is that I don't eat sugar and flour um, because we're eating a lot of meals together. And that usually means, you know, I'm not drinking. I did actually enjoy a few sips of a beer one night. Um, a bunch of us girls went for a swim in the ocean after work one day, it was glorious, and then we sat on the beach and had a lot of people had cocktails, and I just didn't want to be left out. You know, it was just such a special moment, so I ordered a beer but just had a few sips and gave the rest to a friend because um, that's really, you know, all I need. I, just, I don't need the full beer, and that was perfect, but I do sometimes feel like the buzzkill or whatever, like, yeah, I don't eat sugar or flour, so, and I don't really drink alcohol, but I swear I'm fun. (laughs) I'm still fun. But when people are first meeting you for the first time, I feel like I kind of get those looks like, hmm, you're one of those health nuts or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess I am. And I just try not to worry so much now about what other people think and focus more on how good it's making me feel. Because again, I just wouldn't give up this joy and the freedom I feel now for anything. So even if that makes me kind of odd or whatever, um, I just couldn't imagine going back now just to fit in socially where I can, you know, order a pizza or eat French fries. Um, a lot of that stuff is fun and it is a little trickier when there's a group of people going out to dinner that want pizza and I have to kind of say, Ooh, is there anything that I can eat there? But I would say I'm getting better about speaking up for myself and, um, you know, I, I find too, if I share more that it's an addiction, then it's not a diet for me. You know, it's really is. an addiction. And I think once I kind of share that and show, you know, the vulnerability around that to people, they have been really accepting of it and really um, open and willing to help me, you know, find, help accommodate me and help me find something 
that I can eat. Um, you know, I get a lot of people that ask a lot of questions about it and, you know, well, what do you eat? And, you know, I just kind of tell people, you know, what I eat. I, again, I feel like in some ways it's the easiest thing I've ever done because I do eat everything else. I just don't eat stuff with sugar or flour. Um, it is hard though when I get really hungry. So I think to stay confident, part of that is remembering what your triggers are. Cause I feel like when you're triggered, it's hard to, to stay confident. Um, you know, I had, I think one day in Maui where I didn't eat lunch until probably about two thirty, So I was just really, really hungry. Um, and I was able, luckily, to find some stuff that worked for me, but uh, I, I don't like getting to that point of being that hungry because a lot of times I will make not as good choices. So luckily, there was stuff that I could eat um, that fell within, you know, no sugar or no flour, but, you know, I do tend to get hangry. So for me, it's being really careful to watch my triggers since I've been back from Maui, for some reason, I am really struggling this time with the time change. You know, it's only, they're only like three hour time difference. Um, and when I was in Italy, it was an eight hour time difference. And I really didn't have any issues. Like I was tired maybe the first day or two coming back from Italy, but I, I really seriously barely like noticed where just this three-hour time difference, I was, like, wrecked yesterday. You know, I got up at 6 a.m., which is 3 a.m. Hawaii time, and that it felt like 3 a.m. I mean, I was so tired. Um, <coughs> I, like, <coughs> never do this, but I um, called out of work that afternoon. I worked from home in the morning, and then once I picked up my son from school, I was like, there is no way I can go into work right now. I didn't even know if I could drive a car. I was so tired. So I um, called into work and took a three and a half hour nap. I mean, it was insane. I was just so tired. I'm not usually a napper, but I was finding because I was so tired yesterday, I was having more cravings for things. Like I really wanted, you know, sweet potato chips, you know, which I can eat, but it was like kind of more those treat foods I eat, you know, not the daily things that I eat that I was craving more. And I remember when I was tired, you know, when I was eating sugar and flour, that's when I would kind of go off the rails. If I had been eating well, um, then suddenly, you know, you're just kind of looking for that pick me up. So, you know, I think it's really, care, you know, really important to identify your triggers first. You know, you know, I talk about that a lot and it's going to be different for everybody. You know, if it is being too hungry or being too tired, uh, just kind of make a list so that you can plan and try not to let those things happen. Because I think it's a lot easier to stay confident when you're not being triggered. And another example for, for me is in Italy, you know, I was really confident, overly confident probably before going to Italy thinking this is going to be a breeze because, um, I'm really confident at home now with, um, going out to eat and finding something that I can eat. But, you know, Italy, 
Um, I just wasn't expecting in the small towns, not having a lot of choices and options. And then I was really hungry. Plus I was really active and then I was starting to feel deprived. So suddenly I wasn't confident anymore. And it's amazing how, you know, you can go from being like, yes, this is it. This, I feel great to, oh, I don't feel well. Why am I doing this? You know? So make sure that you're taking care of yourself, um, you know, whatever works for you, whether, again, for me, you know, getting regular massages, getting enough sleep, doing my baths and face masks, that kind of pampering. I love doing all that, and that helps me feel like I'm taking care of myself. Um, So whatever you can do um, for yourself that you know, kind of relaxes you and makes you feel good while avoiding your triggers, I think it's going to be easier for you to stay confident um, and feel good that you are doing something that's really good for your body, you know. And if you do have people in your life, again, I've been really lucky that all of my close family and friends have been super supportive, Um, although I'm sure they, you know, (laughs) probably think I'm crazy, but, um, I I know they also have seen the amazing changes and the positive changes and this like transformation that I've gone through, they've been able to witness firsthand. So I think even if they didn't really buy it in the beginning, I think they're totally on board now, just seeing how much I've changed and how amazing I feel. Um, but if you are, you know, not as lucky as I am and have people in your life that aren't supportive, um, you know, try to find some people that are, you know, you need some people on your team. You know, I was really lucky that my husband's so supportive because of course, you know, someone that you live with, that's going to be your best, you know, um, source of support. But if you do have a spouse or kids living with you that aren't supportive, you know, try to find a friend or a parent, just someone that can kind of be your support buddy and help you stay confident when you are kind of having an off day. You know, I don't understand really why people aren't just supportive and maybe feel threatened or, you know, I don't know what it is if maybe, you know, your relationship is based on eating a lot of sugary junk food. Maybe they feel like they're going to lose out on your friendship if you're no longer doing that together. Um, You know, so that's just something to kind of think about and examine with people in your life. If that is the only thing you have in common, you know, maybe it's time to make new friends that do support your healthier eating habits. Or if there is, you know, a friendship still there, maybe you can find other things to do together that's not, you know, indulging in a bunch of junk food. Um, You know, I think a lot of people too, when you talk about the way you're eating, are afraid they're going to make you eat that way too. And, you know, I try to make sure that people understand that this is what works for me, but I don't expect that that's going to what works for everybody. You know, I actually had a close friend of mine recently who's been experiencing a lot of anxiety um, tell me that she thinks maybe I should do what I've been doing and cut out sugar and flour. And she's someone that already eats really well. Like, I wish I ate 
as like she again would be that kind of dream. She loves sweets, but I would say she kind of is like an 80 20 person, you know, eats, you know, 80% really well and maybe 20% of kind of treats. Um, so she's been, I don't think, you know, she needs to give up sugar and flour because she is able to eat it in moderation. Um, but instead, she's been drinking a lot more coffee recently. So I said, you know, maybe you should, instead of trying to give up sugar and flour, maybe try to start reducing your coffee first and see if that helps lower your anxiety. So, you know, it's not like giving up sugar and flour is for everybody or everybody needs to do it. Um, and I think maybe because it is so hard, a lot of people, if you're talking to them about it, assume, you know, maybe that you're going to judge them or expect the same thing out of them, you know, especially if it's like your partner or close friend or family member. And maybe it's just explaining that conversation of, you know, Hey, I don't expect you to do this too, but I hope that you'll support me, you know, like, you know, we're not all going to eat the same way. Um, but supporting in the beginning, it is nice if, you know, people aren't eating a bunch of junk food in front of you because in the beginning, it is really, really difficult. My husband is still really great that um, we don't keep junk food in the house at all, you know, and he has a sweet tooth, but he just knows it's too hard for me, even, you know, being, oh my gosh, so today is actually May 14th, so tomorrow is May 15th. So February, March, April, May. Sorry, I have to do the math here. I'm going to be 16 months um, tomorrow of being sugar flour free. That's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, basically a year and four months now. And I still wouldn't want to have a bunch of junk food in the house. You know, that would be really hard for me. Um, cause it is kind of triggering for me to just see it or smell it still, you know, and, a, you know, if I'm walking through like an airport and catch a whiff of Cinnabon, for instance, I'm kind of like, Ooh, but then I can like walk away from it. But if it's something that's in your house, I think it would be hard if it kept, you know, if I couldn't like block it out completely. So I think it is important to have support that way, especially in the beginning or as long as you need it. Is just having somebody that, you know, can support you maybe cleaning out your pantry and fridge for a while so that you aren't tempted or having, you know, a cabinet where they keep their stuff, but it's like hidden from you out of sight. You know, I know my husband probably has stuff hidden in the house, but I don't know where it is. So um, it doesn't exist for me. But, and you know, it's just really difficult to stay confident if you are constantly being triggered. So I think, you know, pay attention to what your triggers are. Try to enlist some support from, you know, your partner, family, friends. And if there are people that are continuing to judge you or criticize you or make you feel bad about trying to get healthier and take care of yourself, they're probably not someone you want in your life anyway. And I know it's really, really hard to cut, you know, people out of your life. I really am loyal. You know, I'm a Leo, super loyal to the ends. But I've kind of had to learn, too, that sometimes, 
you know, there's friends or people that come in and out of your life for a certain amount of time, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be there forever. So this might be a pretty significant time in your life when you're taking this huge step of trying to overcome your addiction and take care of yourself, that you're also kind of examining the people that are in your life and if they can be supportive of that, you know. Um, So just something to think about. And I hope that, you know, you can just remember, especially it gets much easier as you start feeling really good to stay confident. Um, But I just continued, you know, even in the beginning when I wasn't seeing results, I just listened to my gut that was just telling me, no, you are on the right path. And you know, I thought of it as just a big experiment in the beginning, knowing that I was going to do this for a year and it was just an experiment and I had to see it through. So, you know, whatever you need to tell yourself to just in those moments when you are lacking confidence to kind of get on board. I said before too, it really helps to have some kind of like mantra or catchphrase for yourself. For me, it was just the simple, nope, I don't do that anymore. When I was tempted or thought about eating something, um, M&Ms randomly still tempt me once in a while, um, especially when I'm traveling because I used to have eat peanut M&Ms specifically a lot when I was traveling. And I just tell myself, nope, I don't do that anymore and just shut it down. Um, So... Anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about today. I hope that you can stay confident along your journey. If you ever feel like you're struggling, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me. I will support you. I will cheerlead for you. You can find me on my website, www.unsweetensio.com. I'm also still looking for somebody that might be struggling right now with sugar addiction or someone even that's overcome sugar addiction, I'd love to interview for the podcast. So find me on my website and send me an email because I'd really love to hear from you. I think sharing our stories is what's going to help others. So if you do have something you'd like to share, reach out to me. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.